This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about what it's like to work with a licensed insolvency trustee, getting some answers to some frequently asked questions. If you're looking for debt relief, solutions, or options to better manage your debt, Blair is going to answer some of those questions that people have. I mean, they spend so much time talking to folks and they really do such a great job every year of of boiling down how they're doing and where people are coming from and all that kind of situations uh, that this is going to be a great segment. Uh, and Blair, I know every day you and your team at SANS talk with folks who are looking for answers as well as support around dealing with their debt. What what is often the first question that people will have when they're either talking to you or sitting down at your desk? Well, one of the first questions is pretty logical. You know, what is this thing called a licensed insolvency trustee and how can you help me? And I'm really happy to answer that because it's, it's, I wish people knew more about what an LIT can do. Uh, I'm really happy if someone's listening to the show for the first time because they're going to learn a licensed insolvency trustee is the only professional in Canada that's fully qualified and legally empowered by the federal government to provide people with debt advice and help them eliminate their debts using legal options like consumer proposal, personal bankruptcy, and more. So when you work with a licensed insolvency trustee, you can safely get accurate debt advice and guidance. Anyone can have a free confidential consultation to talk about their situation, their needs, their objectives, and get a plan to become debt-free. Your finances don't have to be in an urgent state to qualify for help. Um, some of the common situations that cause people to reach out to us are when people want some general information about how to deal with their debt. They might be unsure what the legal rights and remedies are in a debt situation. They might be facing an urgent crisis or a conflict with a creditor. Maybe there's a wage garnishment. Maybe there's some legal action happening, or they just don't know all these threats that are coming at them. What can creditors actually do and what's just smoke and mirrors? Uh, sometimes people feel financially stuck. They can't move past making their minimum monthly debt payments, and they need some sort of debt forgiveness or relief options. Uh, and sometimes people just have bad credit, and they want to move forward with a fresh credit score. Uh, and what's great about working with a trustee is we can give you a debt solution regardless of your credit score. Some people have a great credit rating. They never miss any payments. Others have been struggling for years, and we can help them get that reset when they can start to build things back up again. Uh, at Sands & Associates, we serve all of BC. We've been around for 34 years now, um, and we're going to help anybody that comes to see us explore all of the possible debt options. It could include some do-it-yourself options like some budgeting, prioritizing of debts, understanding there is a statute of limitations on debts. We're going to explain all of that to you. Uh, sometimes we'll help you with a way to consolidate and restructure and reduce your debt with a consumer proposal. And if no other options work, the last resort is to help you with a personal Personal bankruptcy, and we do that in a respectful, non-judgmental, empathetic way. We're here to help people get their fresh start. And the first step, it all starts with a free confidential debt consultation. There's no obligation to continue working together, and you don't need any referral.
referral to come and see a trustee. You can just call the number, go to the website, whatever you need to do. You can have a meeting often the same day, either by telephone, video, or even physically in our offices across the province. Excellent. Now, if you're already thinking, okay, where do I sign up? How do I do this? Who do I call and how do I get that first sit down? Uh, regardless of, of anything else that you're about to say, this is the phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030. Uh, if you want to check out their website, it's terrific. Sands-trustee.com. If you've got any kind of question and you think, oh, I'd like to read a little bit more about this or a little bit more about that, it's a great place to go. There's pages of really good information, good questions, really thoughtful answers. Uh, and, and Blair's often uh, mentioned different YouTube videos as well that you can access about uh, the services and the kinds of things that Sands and Associates uh, deals with. Did I, did I represent that okay, Blair? I know that we that don't often great. talk about... Okay, good. <laughs> yep. We don't often talk about those YouTube videos, but I just mm -hmm. wanted to throw that in there too. So mm -hmm. um, what are some more of the top questions that people ask when it comes to these options um, that you've already mentioned, Blair? Well, some people wonder, what can I expect at that first consultation? And the consultation, our goal is to make you feel at ease and to give you a better understanding of your situation and all the options that are available. And then you can decide what's the best fit for what you want to do and what you're facing right now. So, so we'll ask you, do you have a specific issue you want some help with? Are there some particular financial goals that you want to meet? We'll try to understand who you owe money to and about how much. What's your income every month? Where does it have to go? What does the household and the family budget look like? And do you have any assets? And we're going to go through all of those things to be able to give you a full 360 degree review of your financial situation. Just about everybody we meet with are surprised at the options that they have. Uh, most people think when they're meeting with a trustee, you know, bankruptcy is the only option, but it's less than one in 10 people that we help. We actually help them with a bankruptcy. For about nine out of 10 people, uh, they choose to do a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is the most powerful debt relief solution that you might never have heard of. And when you deal with either a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, we're going to work with you throughout the entire process, give you that support, do everything formally, and it's going to cost you nothing to come and see us to have that first meeting. Cool. So how does a consumer proposal work to consolidate debt? Because that, uh, that's one of my first questions. How does it actually mm -hmm. do that? Yeah, most people, when they start thinking about debt consolidation, they think that means going to a bank and borrowing some money to pay off their other debts. And usually they start there. And the challenge is most people can get rejected uh, from a bank to try to get a consolidation loan. Maybe they'll only approve you if you get a co-signer involved, which is a bad idea, or if you start to pledge some assets, which is also generally a bad idea. What a consumer proposal is, it's a non-borrowing consolidation option, which has some big advantages over working with the bank because because you consolidate all of your debt into a single payment, but instead of paying a lower interest rate, you pay a zero interest rate. So literally nothing ever gets added to the debt once you're starting to work with the trustee. Um, and then the trustee will work with you on your household budget and figure out what you can actually afford to repay on the debt. It might be as little to 20, as 20 to 50% of the total balance. So for example, if you owe $20,000, and it doesn't matter what interest rate that's at, whether it's credit cards, lines of credit, or even payday loans, you might offer a consumer proposal to repay 30% of that balance, and that might be a monthly payment of $166 for 36 months. And yes, you heard that right. $20,000 of debt could be a payment of $166 for just three years. The balance of the debt, the 70% that's unpaid, that's legally written off at the conclusion of a consumer proposal. Now, to do a consumer proposal, this isn't something you can just phone the bank up and say, hey, how's 30 cents in the dollar with 
with no interest over the next three years, uh, you can imagine you might hear them, hear them laughing over the phone at you. You have to work with a licensed insolvency trustee. And the way a trustee presents a proposal is showing that this is a win-win to everybody involved. For most people, if they were to file a bankruptcy, there'd be a zero repayment on the debt. So of course, 30% repayment is a whole lot better than zero. So 95 out of 100 of our proposals are accepted on the first offer. 99 out of 100 eventually reach a deal. So it's a very high success rate, such a powerful consolidation tool. Now, I'm a bit torn in our last uh, uh, four and a half minutes or so to talk about. I think it's important to, to talk about what it means to declare bankruptcy in Canada. And then I really would like us to talk about um, the advice that you can offer folks who might be considering connecting with a licensed insolvency trustee like yourself, but are super hesitant. So could we cover both of those things in the last few minutes here? I think so. Yeah. Great. So yeah, to declare bankruptcy in Canada means that you got a fresh financial start. So it's not as bad as you might have heard. You know, there's no public court appearance. There's nothing that goes in the newspaper. You sit down with the trustee and we're going to try to do everything we can to help avoid that bankruptcy filing. So again, it's only about one in 10 of our clients have to file for bankruptcy, but it might be the more extreme cases where maybe there was an ICBC accident that wasn't covered. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and even paying back 10 or 20 cents and the dollar of that just isn't going to be possible. So when you work with a trustee to declare bankruptcy, it's a private process. For most people, it starts and finishes inside of nine months. There's usually no need to go to court. You just work with the trustee. uh, And over the period of that nine months, you get some payments, uh, sorry, you get some counseling sessions, you make some payments. If you're low income, you pay about $2,300 split into nine monthly payments of about $255. Um, You attend the counseling sessions and you report your income to the trustee, uh, provided you do all of those things at the end of nine months of bankruptcy can be finished. So it doesn't take the seven years that you think about. It's not a permanent mark on your credit. It drops off your credit report six years after it's finished. And most people find they can rebuild their credit within just a couple years of having filed the bankruptcy. So for a lot of folks, rather than trying to pay off an insurmountable debt burden that would take them decades or at least years, a bankruptcy can be a shorter route to actually getting a better credit rating sooner. Excellent. And then the final piece is, why Why do you think, because you talk to so many folks on such a regular basis, why are people so hesitant to reach out and, and how do you How do you talk to them about that? Because it it is a bit of a, a sticking point, I'm sure, for folks coming in the door. Yeah, there's a couple of things, you know, there's definitely an element of shame. And I I get that, you know, we're all humans here. And of course, when we incur an obligation, we start from the position, hey, I'm honest, I'm going to pay off this obligation to the best of my ability. Uh, And we're often our own worst judges as well. So I speak with a lot of clients where I look at their situation, I say, yeah, you had the best of objectives. And then gee, the pandemic happened and the business you were in, it was shut down three times in the first four months. And the government support just wasn't enough to keep you going. That wasn't your fault but a lot of folks put everything on their shoulders. So there's a lot of shame, a lot of self-blame. And when you're dealing with a bank that wants their money back, they can sometimes pull on those heartstrings pretty tough. So, you know, the collection agent is not going to be understanding and empathetic. They're going to make you feel like you're a dishonest person for not being able to pay back the debt. Whereas when you sit down with a trustee, someone objectively who sees, you know, hundreds or thousands of people over the years, we can say, you know, it's a very small percentage of people that I see where they could have done anything to avoid their 
their financials, their financial difficulties. Usually it's circumstances that happen. So, you know, shame is one part of it, but it's also a, just a misunderstanding or a misconception or just not knowing that there's actually options that are out there. So a lot of people think, well, no way, no how am I ever going to file bankruptcy? And that stops them from reaching out to a trustee, not knowing that 90% of the time, the best person to help you avoid that bankruptcy is the trustee because only a trustee can help you file a consumer proposal. So some people flail about, sometimes they go to unlicensed debt advisors that charge them literally thousands of dollars and just make the problem worse. So it really is important for folks to have some knowledge. So I know a lot of our listeners out there, uh, sometimes I have people that phone me and say, oh yeah, my friend was listening or my, my family member was listening to your show and said, hey, you need to reach out to Sands and Associates. So please do pass it on. If you're a listener and you know somebody that's struggling in your life that has some debt, there's no downside to seeing a trustee and just becoming that much better informed about what's actually out there for you. That's such a great idea. And I want to add, too, as we close out this segment, you're, you're not alone in solving a debt problem. Um, as Blair's talked about, the support and the solutions, and there's lots of them to look at, uh, are there. So connect with your local expert at Sands & Associates. Their phone number, again, is 1-800-661-3030. Visit their website, sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment is all about your assets and what assets you can keep if you happen to declare bankruptcy. From household goods to RRSPs, home equity, your vehicle, and more. We're going to learn about what happens to your personal assets if you declare bankruptcy in Canada. So if you're struggling with debt but worried what's going to happen to all of that stuff, well, Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, president, I might add, and a BC licensed insolvency trustee, says most people filing for personal bankruptcy actually get to keep all of their assets. So Blair, we're going to learn about what happens to your assets if you declare bankruptcy in this country. Can you start maybe, Blair, by explaining what it means to file for bankruptcy in Canada? Oh, sure, Elaine. So bankruptcy, it's a legal solution. It allow, enables people to get relief from their debt and get a resolution, basically getting back to a point where they owe nobody anything and they've got a fresh financial start. It's available to people who find themselves in a position where they can no longer manage their debt. And there could be a number of circumstances why they're in that position. From my experience, most of the time, it's just that, hey, life has intervened. Maybe they've lost a job or gotten sick or been impacted by a global pandemic or, or gotten divorced or things like that. Uh, important thing to know is that bankruptcy is a right. Nobody can prevent you. No creditor can stop you from seeking the protection and relief of bankruptcy if you're unable to pay off your debt. Uh, bankruptcy generally takes a lot less time than people think. Most people think that bankruptcy is a six, seven, or 10-year process. Well, for most people, upwards of 80% of people, in fact, bankruptcy lasts nine months. Um, and during those nine months, they have to complete some key duties, pay a minimal administration fees, um, and then they're able to emerge from the bankruptcy, leaving all the debt behind. Uh, what's powerful about filing for bankruptcy is that you get what's called a stay of proceedings, which means you have immediate relief. So no creditor can pursue you for payments. They can't charge you any further interest on the debt. They can't take any collection actions against you. If you're being taken to court, everything grinds to a halt. So bankruptcy gives you this immediate, powerful protection from your creditors, um, and it gives you some peace of mind. Um, what's really interesting, too, and something I would have thought is you know, completely counterintuitive, you know, the general 
Cole's notes understanding of bankruptcy is you go into bankruptcy and you lose everything. And that's why people are so scared to reach out to even explore this option. Um, but what happens across Canada is just about every province and territory has various exemptions. And in BC, there's an excellent set um, of exemptions found in the Court Order Enforcement Act. And what this means is that if you file for bankruptcy, Theoretically, you have to surrender assets, but you don't surrender assets if they fall within provincial exemptions. And just right off the top, here's the, the, the summary of the exemptions, which cover most people's assets in their entirety. So it's actually quite rare for people to have to surrender assets if they're in a bankruptcy. Um, so the provincial exemptions in BC, it's up to $4,000 for household furnishings and personal goods. And that's $4,000 at a liquidation or a garage sale value. So it's not free to go out and buy everything again that's in your home it's what if you had a garage sale put things on your lawn i don't think i've ever had a single client who had a garage sale value has more than four thousand dollars of personal items and, and household furnishings um, clothing and medical aids are exempt up to an unlimited value so if anyone is concerned they would have to lose you know a medical device a mobility scooter um, you know anything that they need to get around and, and of course your clothing i don't know how this, this would function if someone has to turn over their clothing to the trustee to file an insolvency it just doesn't happen Happen, so all of that is exempt. Uh, you're allowed an exemption of up to $5,000 for a motor vehicle. Uh, and that means that the vehicle is either worth $5,000 or less, or your equity in that vehicle. So the value of the vehicle, less whatever loans might be against it, uh, is less than $5,000. Uh, just a couple more here. Uh, there's a $10,000 exemption for tools of the trade. So anything you need to earn income. Uh, what I like about the insolvency system in Canada is there's a ton of common sense built into the laws. And it would just be completely against common sense if someone goes bankrupt and then we take away their ability to earn income. We take away their work tools, for example. So that's an exemption of $10,000 for any tools of the trade, again, at a liquidation or an auction value, what they could be sold for quickly. Um, and the last one that's in the Court Order Enforcement Act is about home equity. So in the province of BC, you're allowed between nine dollars and $12,000 of home equity if you file for bankruptcy. <coughs> So if someone files for bankruptcy and they've got a smaller amount of equity than either nine or $12,000, um, they're allowed to keep the home with no extra payments being made. And the difference of whether you get the nine or $12,000 exemption on your home equity is solely related to, well, where's the house located? If it's in the greater Vancouver or greater Victoria area, it's the higher exemption of $12,000. If it's anywhere else in the province, uh, it's $9,000. Uh, just one final set of, of exemptions, and these are things that are in the federal federal laws, so they're the same across Canada, um, is any amounts for RRSPs, for RIFs, uh, or for RDSPs, registered disability savings plans, um, those are all exempt except for any contributions in the year immediately preceding the bankruptcy, which most people aren't contributing to their investments if they're really struggling to pay their debts. So for most people listening, they're probably saying, well, you kind of covered everything that I've got. Uh, and that's generally what I see with clients is most people don't have assets that are outside of those exemptions. So them filing for bankruptcy doesn't mean they actually have to surrender any assets. So if you're thinking already, okay, I, I, this is the situation I'm in. It sounds like I could maybe move forward. This is the phone number for Sands and Associates offices. And a reminder, they have offices all over the province. It's 1-800-661-3030. They'll answer more questions, have a sit down with you, and you can really flush it all out to see if this is the next best step.
Um, so Blair, just a quick question. Do you want to talk more about secured and unsecured debts? I sometimes think that, well, may, not maybe everybody understands the difference between the two and how that would affect you if you were in bankruptcy. Yeah, I think it's really important to talk about that, Elaine, because sometimes people make the assumption that if you file for bankruptcy, you know, all of your debt gets wiped away and the assets go as well. Um, and there's a really important distinction that you have to make between a secured debt and an unsecured debt. And what a secured debt means is that your creditor holds an asset as collateral with a lien or a charge. And the most common ones that we see secured debts are mortgages or vehicle loans. Um, unsecured debts are simply everything else. So if the debtor, if the creditor does not hold an asset as collateral, by definition, that debt is unsecured. What happens when you have a secured debt um, is that that creditor who has loaned the money, they've got the ability to seize that asset back from you if you stop making payments. So if someone files for bankruptcy, um, they've got the option, they don't have to give up their car or their home if there's a loan against them, they want to continue paying it. Quite often people will decide, you know, I've got a car loan, the car is worth 25,000, I owe 25,000 on it, or sometimes even a little bit more, I'd like to just continue to make those payments. That's no issue. If you're in a bankruptcy, the secured creditor will continue to be paid and they will have no right to come and seize an asset um, if you're continuing to make the payments on it. Uh, very commonly that happens with mortgages as well. So as long as a mortgage is in good standing, um, typically people are able to renew their mortgages, continue to make the payments on them, and they don't have any issues. Now on the other side of that, if someone said, you know, I've got a vehicle, it's worth $25,000 and I owe $70,000 on it, which trust me, I see more times than, than you would believe the number of, of negative equity vehicle loans. Um, or if they've got a home where the home is worth a certain amount and the mortgage is well above that, and they know if they were to sell that home, they would not be able to pay off the mortgage. Well, bankruptcy can give them the option to just walk away from those debts free and clear. Um, if the home was sold and there was a shortfall, not enough to pay out the mortgage holder, that would just be another debt that's included within the bankruptcy. So essentially, if someone is going to file for bankruptcy, what we'd want to do ahead of time is evaluate all of their assets, look at what's secured, what's unsecured, um, and then get a sense of really what their objectives are. If they want to retain the assets, continue to make payments on them, um, or if they want to surrender the assets as part of the proceeding, um, and then they wouldn't have any further obligations. But sometimes that's more disruptive because then they wouldn't have a vehicle or wouldn't have a residence or, or things like that. Now, one point to keep in mind um, is if you do have an asset that has some equity, so vehicles, um, again, if you've got that vehicle worth $25,000 uh, and there's an $18,000 loan that's against it, uh, what can happen is that you've got some equity there. You've got about $7,000 of equity. Um, we've talked about exemptions in the province of BC. You're allowed a $5,000 exemption on a vehicle, for example. So in that case, if you had $7,000 of equity on the vehicle, you would make an arrangement with your trustee to say, okay, the first $5,000 is my exemption. I want to keep this vehicle. So you just make a payment arrangement to pay to the trustee the excess equity. In this case, it'd be about $2,000 above and beyond what the exempt amount is. Okay. Um, and I know that a lot of people go, oh no, bankruptcy, that's not for me. I'm not in that kind of situation because a licensed insolvency trustee in Sands and Associates offers a really good alternative. And I know we just have a few minutes left in this segment, mm -hmm. but just in case there's somebody going, well, well what, what do I do if I can't do this? You've got it. Mm -hmm. You've got a great solution for them. 
Well, absolutely, Elaine. And anyone that listens to our show should definitely understand, you know, a consumer proposal is the remedy of choice these days within BC. It's nearly 90% of consumers that work with a trustee um, are choosing to file a consumer proposal instead of a personal bankruptcy. And where a consumer proposal can make a ton of sense is if you're in that situation where you do have significant equity, whether it's in a vehicle uh, or in a mortgage, you know, the house is worth a lot more than what the mortgage is against it, but you're still having trouble paying your debts. When you do a consumer proposal, you by definition retain all of your assets. There's no so-called vesting of assets when you do a proposal, whereas in a bankruptcy, you know, theoretically your assets are turned over to the trustee, less any exemptions. In a proposal, all of your assets remain in your possession at every time. So oftentimes, if somebody has a significant amount of equity in a vehicle or in a home, we're not talking about doing a bankruptcy because they might not be able to pay off that excess equity in the short term of a bankruptcy, what we're often able to help them with is to make an offer to their creditors through a consumer proposal. So in many cases, a consumer proposal significantly reduces the debt often down to 20 or 30 cents on the dollar. In every case, it gives you the same protection as a bankruptcy. Nobody has any remedies against you. They can't sue you, harass you for payment or take any any other steps. Um, And it's a very uh, attractive option uh, because it's a little less severe on your credit as well. So someone filing a proposal, you know, they stared down the most severe remedy of a bankruptcy, and they made a different choice they, they chose to file a proposal. So in many cases, when people have assets, uh, we evaluate, you know, whether a proposal or a bankruptcy is a better option. But it's not as simple as saying, well, if you file a bankruptcy, you lose everything. Uh, many people are able to retain all of their assets through the bankruptcy proceeding. And that's exactly what we talk about. Even in our first consultation, uh, we try to give you very straight answers on what could happen to your assets if you proceed to reduce your debts. You can book that free financial consultation very easily. Here's the 1-800 number, 1-800-661-3030, or you can go to their website, sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're talking about seize or sue, as well as vehicle loans in this province. We're going to learn about the rules and what you can do to manage debt and your vehicle financing. Uh, Blair's going to provide sort of an overview of what's commonly referred to as seize or sue rules in this province and what it can mean for consumers who are dealing with a vehicle loan that they can't afford. Um, and first of all, before I ask you the first question, Blair, just from your experience, are is there an, ab- an abundance of people buying new cars these days and that's getting them in? trouble or is it just sort of one of those things that you know the the average person comes in and yes they bought a new car i've definitely seen um some very significant um issues created by financing new cars because it's the case as vehicle prices have continued to escalate oh, the terms yeah. of financing have just continued to stretch out so i remember when i started driving you know hey three or five years financing that was pretty typical well now it's seven eight or even more than that years of financing and sometimes it's making an unaffordable vehicle seem like it's affordable because you're going to be paying it off for almost a decade 
And when you consider, you know, this is a depreciating asset, uh, I have people come in and these are, are real numbers. You know, the vehicle, we pull a black book, might be worth, you know, fifteen or $20,000. Um, I've seen sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 owed on these vehicles uh, because either they borrowed a whole lot to start or sometimes they even consolidate debt together or roll over negative equity from a previous vehicle purchase. Uh, so I think it's a big issue. It's something that continues to grow. And what's great about this segment, Elaine, is we're going to tell people something that you know, a dealership, a financing arm is never going to tell you about your ability to actually exit from a financing arrangement that isn't working for you. And the province of BC has some of the best laws in the country. But again, no one goes around advertising these. So we're going to help the customer learn about them today. Oh, wow. That's impressive because we don't often hear those words. We have the best rules around mm -hmm. this particular thing that help people, right? It's usually so negative. So let's good. Let's go right to it then. So what are our C's or Sioux rules in this province and how are they applied here and, and differently than elsewhere? Well, so there's laws in BC under the Personal Property Security Act or PPSA, if you ever heard that term. And what Caesar Sue means, it's a unique set of rules in BC. And I'm, I'm from Ontario originally, it's going back 15 years now. And it was completely different in Ontario. It means uh, if you were in Ontario, you financed a vehicle that you couldn't afford to pay on, they might repossess that vehicle, whatever they sold it for was credited towards the balance of the loan. But then they'd come looking to you to pay whatever was not paid off on the loan. So let's say it was a $25,000 loan. They sold the vehicle at $10,000 at auction. They'd be saying, hey, where, where's our $15,000? We're able to hold you accountable for the, sh the shortfall. Well, what happens in, in BC, and you have to satisfy certain requirements. So you have to reside in BC. Uh, the vehicle that you've acquired has to be used primarily for personal, family, or household purposes. So not a business vehicle. Vehicle has to be registered in BC, and then you have to have a loan against it. If all of those uh, those things are satisfied, in the event that you're unable to continue to pay or simply stop paying your vehicle loan, the creditor can take one of the following two actions against you, but they can't take both. So what they can do is they can either seize the vehicle according to the lending agreement terms, and that means you don't make any further payments on it, or they can say, okay, you keep the vehicle, we're gonna sue you for the full remaining balance on the loan but they can't do both. The example I gave to you in Ontario is them doing both. They're saying, hey, you know, you're, we're seizing the vehicle from you and we're holding you accountable for the shortfall on the loan. In the province of BC, the lender has to decide if they're gonna seize the vehicle and sell it, or if they're gonna say, hey, you keep the vehicle and you know, we're gonna take action to try to get the full amount from you. Uh, you can imagine that it's a lot more risky for a creditor to say, no, no, you keep that vehicle, the thing that we had security over, we're going to give up our security because if they decide to sue you, they're no longer able to take the vehicle from you. So very often what lenders decide to do is they say, okay, we just want to seize the vehicle and that extinguishes the loan in its entirety. So for someone in those you know crazy examples I gave earlier, where it's a you know, fifteen or $20,000 vehicle and there's $70,000 owed on it, uh, in many cases, if that person chooses to stop paying the debt, the creditor will do a calculation and figure out, well, at least we're going to get 15000 guaranteed back by seizing this vehicle. If we allow them to keep that vehicle, well, who knows if we'll get anything. They might just decide not to pay us. They might go and see Sands and Associates and file a proposal or a bankruptcy, uh, and they might end up you know, in a little bit worse spot. 
uh, where you have a vehicle where the value is very low compared to the debt, you know, maybe the vehicle is worth $7,000 and, you know, you owe $50,000 on it, for example. In those cases, the creditor might decide to say, well, it's not worth our while to seize this vehicle. We're going to sue you for the full amount. But in the vast majority of cases, the creditor makes the decision to just seize the vehicle. That extinguishes the liability. And again, this is just brand new to most people that I speak to. They just assume it works the way it does in other provinces which they're going to seize it, sell it, and give me a bill for the balance. Well, in the province of BC, it just doesn't work that way. Hmm, interesting. Uh, it, listen, if you're thinking, oh, gee, I need to sit down with somebody and talk more about this before I take next steps, or what do I do because I'm in this situation, 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number for Sands & Associates offices. And uh, as I've said before, they have offices all over British Columbia. Can we uh, skip because we've just got a few minutes left in this segment, Blair, to the exceptions to the seize and sue rules. Would that, mm -hmm. would that serve? Certainly, yeah. I think it's really Great. important for, for people to know where this does and doesn't apply. Um, so the major exception, uh, we talked about if it's a business vehicle, well, this just doesn't apply at all, so that, that's very clear. Uh, but sometimes people get confused between a lease and a financing, and it's really important to know that seize or sue only applies to financing. Um, if you have a lease, if that vehicle is seized, the creditor is able to demand payment on the shortfall of the vehicle's lease. So be very careful if you have a leased vehicle, you're not able to just simply stop the payments and expect that that's the end of the story. They will hold you accountable and pursue you for any amounts that are owing under the lease. Um, sometimes financing and lease agreements, they can be a little bit difficult to decipher. So you can definitely discuss with a licensed insolvency trustee, have a free consultation, uh, or even see a lawyer, you know, get a legal opinion on it, which might cost you a bit of money. So generally, I'd recommend go the trustee route first. Uh, but definitely a lease is one of those things that just does not apply in these situations. Um, a second one that's really important for people to know is voluntary surrender of a vehicle. So it's one thing for you to stop making the payments and telling the creditor you're not able to pay any further and for them to take steps um, to come and get the vehicle. Uh, it's another thing for you to say, you know what, I want to surrender this vehicle. I want to, um, you know, drop it off. I'm going to sign some documents saying I'm voluntarily surrendering this vehicle. My general advice to people is you do not want to have any gray area here at all. You want it to be very clear that the creditor sees the vehicle from you because quite often if you do a voluntary surrender, the creditor puts some documents in front of you saying, oh yeah, you're just signing, tell us you gave the vehicle back. Well, what you're often signing is to contract out of these provisions in the law and saying, no, I agree to be responsible for any shortfall in this. Me giving the vehicle back does not extinguish this liability. Um, and quite often, it's the case that people just read these things without look or sorry, just sign them without reading them closely. So my advice, even when the vehicle is being seized from you, is if they give you something to sign, say, well, I'm not going to sign anything in the moment. Anything I sign, I need to review with legal counsel or a trustee first. Um, and as you review those things in in detail, sometimes it's again, the, it's slipped in there in the fine print saying, hey, you're not no longer protected by seize or sue. So you definitely want to be careful if you're voluntarily surrendering a vehicle um, that you're not going to sign away those provisions that protect you. Okay. And in the last minute or so, it's, it sounds like a hard question to answer shortly, but how does a consumer proposal work uh, and how does that affect or what would happen to a financed vehicle in that? 
Well, a consumer proposal doesn't directly impact a financed vehicle, which is generally great in that if you really want to keep going with your car payments, as long as you're able to continue making those payments, a proposal is not going to step in to stop you from continuing to do that. Um, on the other side, if you wanted to stop making those payments, you know, a proposal is just going to give that extra level of protection that let's say it was a lease, for example, or it was something where you signed to be responsible for a shortfall, a proposal can deal with any of those hangovers. It can deal with any of the shortfalls from a lease, or if it was a business unit that is not covered by C's or Sue, a proposal can help reduce that debt the same way a proposal can reduce every other debt that you have just about. Um, so really important to know you're doing a proposal doesn't mean you're going to lose any of your assets, but it can be something you do a proposal at the same time as getting rid of your vehicle just to get that full fresh start and really start again without any other obligations. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So we talked about bankruptcy. We've, we've often mentioned bankruptcy, but it's not the only option. And this segment is all about dialing down into the consumer proposal, which I know you've possibly more than likely heard about, but don't have a clue what it is. We're going to, Blair's going to be able to explain it to us. So if you're struggling with how to bring unmanageable debt under control or ways to finally get your debt paid off, a consumer proposal may be the key to your problem. So Blair, let's start. Can you explain what a consumer proposal is? I know you can explain what a consumer proposal is and how it's used as a solution to manage debt. It's such a good tool. Oh, absolutely, Elaine. You know, a lot of people think when they have problems with their debt, they can take out a consolidation loan if they can afford to make some types of payment, or they can file for personal bankruptcy if they know they can't afford to pay that consolidation loan. But those aren't your only two options. What's uh, what's what's really encouraging for me is the vast number of people who are discovering about consumer proposals because it's still a debt solution people aren't familiar with, but it's the most powerful thing you can do to restructure your finances short of filing for bankruptcy. So what a proposal is, it's a legal debt management tool that allows you to consolidate or put together into a single payment virtually all of your debts without needing to borrow, without having to qualify based on a credit report, without needing a co-signer of any point at any point and it allows you to cut the amount you have to repay um, down to what you can actually afford so it's quite often debts are reduced by 50 percent or 60 percent or even 80 percent so you can imagine how life-changing that can be if instead of owing you know 10 or 15 different lenders with crazy amounts of interest and they're calling you every month saying that you're not paying enough to them uh, you have one payment you have one accountability to the trustee to make that payment and then the trustee deals with all of the creditors on your behalf and in just about every case that I see, a proposal is a significant improvement over what the person is already doing. So a couple of the big benefits is it cuts the debt down to what you can afford to repay. And it has to be done within a five-year period. So it's not a proposal that you're going to be in for the rest of your life. The maximum term is five years. And, you know, an example, you might be sitting there owing $20,000 of debt and they're charging you a ton of interest. It's going to double every three years you might do a proposal for 30% of that amount or $6,000. That might be $100 a month payment over five years where your minimum payments alone were multiples of that and you weren't getting ahead at all. 
Uh, a proposal is an option for anybody who owes at least $1,000 and less than $250,000. So a really wide band of people that can benefit from doing a consumer proposal. And in addition to reducing the debt down to what you can actually afford, uh, by definition, as soon as you file a consumer proposal, your debts are frozen. There's no further interest. There's no further creditor calls, creditor actions, court actions, wage seizures. Everything has to grind to a halt as soon as you file a consumer proposal. So that protection from your creditors, that can be just life changing. Suddenly the stress is lifted. You know you've got one thing to focus on, one payment that every dollar you make towards a proposal does not go to interest. It goes to reducing um, that balance that you're paying off to get out of debt. Very good. I want to remind folks, if, if you know that you're in a situation that this will help resolve, 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number for Sands & Associates offices, and they're all over the province. And the website, sands-trustee.com, is terrific as well. And you can book your first appointment through the website, uh, as well as get a whole bunch of really, really good information, good questions, and really easy-to-understand answers to move you along that process. So, um, can we touch on the advantages of a consumer proposal over bankruptcy, just in case somebody's sort of stuck on the bankruptcy idea? Mm -hmm. Well, in general, bankruptcy is not near as bad as people think it is going to be. Most people keep their assets during a bankruptcy. Most people finish a bankruptcy within about nine months. But it's also the case, you know, no one sets out with a goal of, hey, I'd love to file a bankruptcy someday. It's something you try to avoid if you're at all able to do so. And a consumer proposal is the number one way of avoiding a bankruptcy. So again, a lot of people think it's pay the debt off in full or file for bankruptcy. A proposal is that compromise in between where you say to your creditors, I could file for bankruptcy. It's my right to do so. And there might be, you know, zero paid back to you guys over time, but I'd prefer I'd sleep better. I'd feel better if you guys just come to some arrangement with me. Um, and quite often the option of you paying back 30 cents in the dollar, well, that's a whole lot better for the creditor than them getting zero cents in the dollar back in, in a bankruptcy. So a proposal is your means of avoiding the more severe remedy of a bankruptcy. But it's also the case if you're in bankruptcy, you know, your income is monitored every month. It might be a nine month bankruptcy if you're low income, but it could be a longer bankruptcy by even a year longer if you're not low income. And every month you're in bankruptcy, your payment could go up or down depending on what your income is. In a proposal, there's none of that. So when we do a proposal, it's a frozen payment from the date that it's signed. If something great happens, and it often does, that someone without the stress of debt, they're able to increase their earnings at work or maybe get that promotion or even consider changing careers and start to make a whole lot more money. If they were in bankruptcy, they would have to pay more. If they're in a proposal, that debt is frozen. So all they have to do is continue to make the proposal payment or what's even more common, they decide to pay off the proposal early, just get it in the rearview mirror a little bit more quickly. Uh, what's another great advantage to a consumer proposal is, as I mentioned, you can pay it off sooner than the five-year term, but it's also the credit rating impact is less severe and lasts for a, a, a lesser duration than filing for a bankruptcy. So someone that finishes a bankruptcy for the next six years after the bankruptcy finishes, so if it's a nine-month bankruptcy, you know, you're close on seven years of credit impact, um, that bankruptcy is noted. Uh, a proposal, it lasts on your credit the shorter of 
three years from when you pay it off. So if it's a very short term proposal, sometimes it's a lump sum proposal that friends or family members want to help you get out of debt, and they're going to help fund just a single payment and a proposal to settle the debts. That's gone three years after it's paid. The longest a proposal will ever be on your credit is six years from the day that it's signed. And it's also not as severe as a bankruptcy. It actually reports the same as if you had went to a not-for-profit credit counselor, where the solution a credit counselor has is you're going to pay everything back in full, but we're going to save you the interest. That dings your credit almost the same as you doing a proposal where you not only save the interest, but you actually reduce the debt down to what you can afford. Cool. And what about the fees? What's the cost of doing a consumer proposal? Because I know that that comes across people's minds. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this really going to cost me by the end of it all? Yeah, I get that question a lot. And I always respect clients who ask that because we always need to be wary about, you know, this sounds too good to be true. So, you know, where's the catch? And having done this for 15 years, having had friends, and even family members who've investigated these options and proceeded with them, I can tell you there's there's no catch. It really is as good as it sounds. So what happens when you do a consumer proposal is all fees are set by government tariffs. So every proposal in Canada is the same, but the fees are taken out of what you're already offering to your creditors. So if you had that $20,000 of debt that I mentioned earlier, and you were going to offer to pay them back $6,000 at $100 per month, that's all that you pay. You don't pay a cent extra for trustee fees. The trustee is allowed to retain a certain portion of your payments before they're sent on to creditors. But essentially, it's the case that creditors are bearing the cost of their proposal. There's no upfront fees to get started. When you file a proposal with Sands and Associates, we do all the work up front, meet with you as many times as you need to be comfortable and sign the documents. And then you just start making that proposal payment within 30 days of starting the proposal. So really, there's nothing you need to worry about, no barriers of fees up front, um, no large costs at the end, never a bill for service. It's all part of the proposal, part of what you're offering to your creditors. Yeah, federally regulated. A licensed insolvency trustee is federally regulated. They can only charge what is worked out between you and them and and what your creditors are wanting. So it's very well managed. Um, I can't stress that enough. If you're wanting more information about the fee structure or anything else to do with uh, your debt and the services that Sands & Associates offers, their website is sands-trustee.com. If you want to go ahead and make that phone call, and set up the first appointment. The number is 1-800-661-3030. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.